Thank you very much, David, and good morning, everyone. Uh, it's well worth, uh, hopefully on your way in, you've got a little uh, handout, and that's got the readings that we've just had, but it's also got on the back a, a bit of a, an outline of where we're heading. Uh, you will have noticed that we're, we're thinking lots about prayer this morning, and we're going to be doing that all the way through the summer. And what we're going to be doing together is uh, looking at some New Testament prayers and hearing uh, those prayers with a view to actually echoing those words ourselves and having those prayers become our prayers for this year ahead. And so we're going to do that uh, in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 uh, together now. And as we look at it, let me ask you this as 2023 uh, lies ahead of you. How are you planning uh, to approach this year? I wonder if you've got a plan for the year, whether it's all Perhaps you're one of those people who plans out all the details and it's already planned out. Um, maybe you're like that or maybe you're at the other end of the extreme and you're thinking, well, I haven't really got a plan for today, let alone the rest of the year. Uh, all of us approach uh, a new year like this uh, differently. There's some of us that would approach it uh, with what I would call the rinse and repeat approach where we think, I'm pretty much going to do what I did last year. That's what's going to happen. It's sort of set and forget approach uh, to the year. Then, as I said before, there is those of us who are a bit more reactive and instinctive. My plan is to try and get through today, and if I get through today, then I'll, I'll try and do that again tomorrow. That's, that's my plan for the year. Then there's others of us, and I suspect I fall into this category a bit, and perhaps some of you are with me. Your year is going to be shaped and pushed by the things that make the most noise in your life, the thing, uh, pressures or, or demands on you, and that's, that's what's going to shape the year. You're not as in control as you'd like to be of what the year will hold. And so you might actually think that the way the year is going to pan out is going to be about what others want me to do. That's what the year is going to look like. Or perhaps the opposite. Uh, the way I want this year to work out is I'm going to do what I want to do. That's, that's how it's going to work. Now, there's all sorts of different approaches, and maybe you fall into that mix somewhere. But what I love about these verses in 2 Thessalonians 1 is that God is speaking here to actually call the tune on our year, to actually shape our year. And what he has for us, and you can see this on the outline there, is he's going to show us one big reality that's in front of us this year. And when we see that properly, it will actually shape the way we approach the year and it will give us two key activities. That's what we're going to look at together. Now, let me give you a little bit of context, but David's actually done a fair bit of this already. You may have heard the first reading, Acts 17, that gives you a bit of a picture of how a church exists in Thessalonica, which is where this letter is written. Acts 17, it tells the story of the Apostle Paul and, and some others who go to this town and they spend what looks like about three weeks there. And uh, what Paul does there is what he does wherever he goes. He seeks to reason with people that God has sent a rescuer into this world, that he has sent Jesus as king and he sent him a saviour, that he had to come into this world to suffer and to die for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could come back into God's family. Wherever Paul goes, that's his news. That's what he wants to share with people. And his goal is that people might be persuaded of that news. And what's wonderful is, I wonder if you heard it as David was reading, in this town, some were persuaded. Some were persuaded of really two things. They're persuaded that God has done as he's promised, that he has made a way to rescue us. And here's the other thing they're persuaded of. They're persuaded of their need to be reconciled to God, that there's a problem between them and God that needs fixing. Um, and uh, I wonder if you've, if you've got the passages open there. If you look at 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 8, it's got this interesting little phrase, and it says, Obey the gospel. 
of our Lord Jesus. And that's actually what obeying the gospel looks like. It means being persuaded that between you and God and me and God, there's a problem and that needs fixing and I can't fix it. So here's the two things that someone who's persuaded of that does. Firstly, they repent. They say, sorry, I've not lived in a right relationship with God and I I want to hand back control of my life, not to me, but to God. So that's the first bit, they surrender. Here's the second thing they do. They believe, they trust. They say, what you have done in Jesus and him coming and dying and then conquering death for me is enough for us to be reconciled again and I trust that. So that's what obeying the gospel, when we get to that phrase, looks like. And we're told in Acts 17 that some were persuaded of that. Some have become Christians And so the other thing we're told, and I wonder if you heard this in both the readings, is that uh, Thessalonica as a place is actually a pretty hard place to keep trusting uh, God and to keep trusting what God has said. One, it's hard because there's actually people opposing the church. You see that they round up a mob to try and uh, cause trouble. But then we're also told just normal life and trials and circumstances make it difficult to trust that God can do as he has promised. And so Paul writes to them, Uh, uh, he writes to them this letter and he says, I want you to be aware in that context as you try to trust Jesus of one big reality that you need to keep in mind. And so come with me to uh, 2 Thessalonians 1. And if you look at verse 5, you'll see him start to, if you like, unpack this one big reality. Here's the first part of it. Whatever they're going through in Thessalonica, however difficult it may be, and the same for us as we think about 2023, here's the big reality that you have to have in mind. God is king. God is king. He's king of absolutely everything. He's king of Thessalonica. He's king of Warunga. He's king of Australia. And in fact, later in, the, in that same chapter of Acts, Acts 17, it says this of God. He's the one who gives you life and breath and everything else. He's in charge of all of those things. So as you think about what this year is going to hold, there's the first big reality. God's king of those things. But here's the other thing about God. Not only is he king... If you look at verse 5 of our passage, he's also judge. He gets to judge how we live in the world that he has created. He gets to judge how we live the life that he has given us. And the judgment that uh, he will make is how we have responded to the fact that he is king. And so here's a question as you think about 2023. Have you, in in the words of, uh, well, Acts 17, have you been persuaded, as you think about this year, that God is king? Or are you still persuaded that you are king? That's the big question. Uh, What's your persuasion? Is God king or are you king? That's the big reality that should shape uh, this year for us. God is king. God is judge. Here's the other bit of the reality. I wonder if you notice this in in verse 7. That reality that God is king and judge is actually hidden from our world. Uh, It's not obvious. And I reckon if we go about the rest of today, you'll see it's not obvious. It, it's hidden. And, and I think that explains so much of the way our world operates. Uh, if you don't know that God is your king, then, of course, we live as, as we choose to live. I'm king. I set the tone for this year. I make the plans for this year. That, that's how we would live. And, and so if there's people who, well, in, in verse 8 of our passage, don't know God, that's how they'll live. But here's the, here's the interesting thing. This is, this is a bit that struck me this week. I think because the fact that God, and, uh, God is king and judge is hidden, it's just as easy for those who have trusted God and know that he is king to live as if he's not because it's hidden. 
Uh, we go about life and we, we think, well, I'm making all the decisions here, I'm making all the plans here, and we could actually end up living exactly the same way because it's hidden. And what 2 Thessalonians 1 is designed to do is that uh, Paul is saying, don't miss the reality. Don't just live by what you can see, live by what God has actually told us. And here's what he tells us, uh, if you look in verse 7 again, what is hidden is actually going to be revealed. Uh, it's actually going to be revealed that God is king and judge. Our world is going to see that. And, and when it does, there's actually only one question that matters. And this should be the agenda, really, for 2023. Do you see the question? Verse 8, it's actually a really simple question. The question in our future, when God is revealed as king and judge, is this. Do you know God? Do you know the God who is king and judge? I wonder if that's a question at, at the forefront of your mind as you think through 2023. Do I know this God who is going to be revealed as king and judge? And Paul actually expands on the question a little bit. Do you see it there in verse 8? He says, when I ask you, do you know God? Here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, do you know the God who gave us the gospel of his son, Jesus? Do you know the God who loved you enough to send his son to suffer and bleed and die on a cross for your forgiveness? Do you know this God? Do you know the God who conquered death so that you could have hope even beyond death? Do you know the God who, who made a way for you to be reconciled with him? Even though he's a judge, he made a way to bring peace. Do you, do you know him? That's actually the question that the judge will ask when he's revealed. And what we're told in verses 9 and 10 is that our, our answer to that question will actually shape not just 2023, it will shape forever. It will shape our eternity we're told there in verse 9 that those who don't know him, in other words, don't heed this gospel, what he's done for us in Jesus, will actually spend eternity separated from the God who gave them life and breath and everything else, separated from his glory. But if we are those who know him and receive his gospel, remember that means repenting and believing, then we will actually spend forever with him and remarkably share in his glory. Now, you might have some really big plans for 2023, uh, big things ahead of you, but I reckon there's nothing bigger on our horizon than what God is putting before us here in these verses. Uh, here's what God says is in front of each one of us. God is your king and judge. And his question will be, do you know me? Have you responded? And our future hangs on the answer to that question. Now, I reckon for our church, if we see that reality clearly, if we, we who know that God is king and know how much he has done for us in the Lord Jesus, seeing that big reality and having it really clear in our minds in 2023 will actually lead to two key activities that this year will be filled with. I'm going to look at one now and then we're, we're going to sing another song. But here's the first of them. It means that 2023, if you know God is king and you know he's your saviour because of Jesus, here's what your years should be full of. Thankfulness. Uh, I don't know whether you're a thankful person. It's hard to know whether you're a thankful person. I reckon the best way to find out is to ask someone who knows you uh, whether you are a thankful person because sometimes it's actually really hard to be thankful. Uh, sometimes the circumstances that we face make it hard to think of what we can give thanks for. Or the opposite is true sometimes. I wonder if you know this experience, perhaps in your own life, um, you get a life filled with so many good things that we get entitled and we stop giving thanks for them. We just assume that that's the way it should work. It's easy not to be thankful. Uh, I came across a guy this week who, who's actually spent the last 15 years, every day, at the end of the day, he tries to end the day by thinking of two things he's thankful for. Uh, he says sometimes uh, that's a really easy job. Sometimes it's 
kind of takes a while uh, to think of what those things are, but he does that every, every, every day, and sometimes they're massive things, sometimes they're tiny little things. And I heard that, and I thought, you know, that's a good plan. I'm going to try that in 2023. You might, might give, it a, give it a whirl as well. What are two things you can be thankful for each day? Well, here's the thing. 2 Thessalonians 1 says, whatever your circumstances are right now or for the rest of this year, you have much reason to be thankful. This year should be full of thankfulness. Have a look with me at the opening verses of this little passage. Let it remind you what you can be thankful for as you think about this year. Here's the first of them. The God who is king and judge. Do you see who he is in verse 1? He's your father. Uh, The one who has every right to judge your life, every right to rule over your life, loves you as a father loves. And he's demonstrated that by sending his son uh, to bring you back into his family. There's the first thing to be thankful for. You have a loving heavenly father. Here's the second thing, and this is probably the one I'm most thankful for as I think about the year ahead. In this year, Jesus is your king. Now, what a relief that is to actually have someone who has a clue being in charge. What a relief it is to have someone who is wise enough and strong enough to actually take the lead to be in charge. It reminds me of a a recent trip my son and I took to America. I promise to stop sharing stories of that uh, very soon. But we spent some of it, we hired a car, and so I was responsible for driving this car. For one, the wheel's on the wrong side, and then they drive on the wrong side. Everything's wrong. And I've got to say, even in the week and a half or so of driving that we did, it was mostly just utter panic utter panic uh, we had to go every time you turn left you've got to do a loose turn and right it's a tight turn and so Finn's job was to stand every time we did the turn is he he had to yell lefty loosey or righty tighty um, including on one case in in peak hour traffic in Los Angeles as I turned into oncoming traffic and uh, he's yelling at the top of his voice lefty loosey dad there was an enormous relief when, uh, right near the end of the trip, when we were going to the airport, we got a lift to the airport in a taxi, and I'm sitting in the back of this car and thinking, what a relief it is that I'm not at the wheel for everyone in this car. And that's true of your life if you know God. He's in charge. You can trust him with this year. And he, he's a king who says this to you as you think about what this year will hold for you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, on you, uh, for it's light. I will carry yours. What a relief it is that he's king. Here, here's a couple of other things to know and be thankful for this year. Do you see it there, verse 2? The one who's your father, who is king, he's pouring out on your life. Do you see it there, verse 2? Grace that's going to be new every morning this year. What a, what a relief that is to think you start the next day and there'll be a fresh supply of his grace. And not just grace, but verse 2, he, he's poured out on your life peace. Peace in the deepest sense. Peace in that he's, he's defeated your enemies, the ones that are too strong for us. Uh, our guilt over our sin, he brings forgiveness. Peace. Our fear of death, he brings eternal life. So there it is. We have much reason to be thankful, not just for what he has done in the past, but we're, we're told in verse 3 that even now as we go about the rest of this year, he's growing stuff in our life, stuff that matters, stuff that's more precious than gold. He's growing faith and love. And so let me encourage you this year, we'll look at the second activity in a second, but here's the first of them. Give thanks that despite what's currently hidden in our world, you have come to know the God who is judge as Father. And his grace is growing you still, growing in you faith and love. Now I'm going to pray, 
and then we're going to uh, sing together. So I'll ask the band to come up, and then after, after that, we'll, we'll look at this final activity that this year should be full of. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you that, even though you are king and judge, and, well, we have no, no excuse before you as judge, and yet because of Jesus, we know that you've poured out on us grace and peace. Uh, put that reality before us this year. Uh, lead us to be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Just for this final bit, let's think about this second activity. If we see that big reality that God is king and judge and yet our saviour because of Jesus, uh, we should be, well, filled with thankfulness this year. Here's the other thing. Even though we have, uh, by faith, uh, every reason to be thankful this year. What, what I love about uh, what Paul does at the end of our little passage, if you look at verses 11 and 12, is he says, even though uh, God's already given us so much uh, because of Jesus, the other thing this year should be full of is prayer, petition, asking him for even more. It reminds me of, you know, this, is, this is for the older ones here, uh, you know, the, 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 the musical Oliver, that little boy in Oliver, please, sir, I want some more. And in one sense, it seems an audacious request that God has poured on us grace and peace that our response would be as well as thanks, well, could I have even more? And yet that's exactly what we're asked to do here, verse 11, to ask in faith and with boldness, now that you know God is your, who is your king and judge is actually your saviour and your father, to ask him, do you see what it says there in verse 11? Would you make me worthy of all of that? Would you make me worthy of what, what you've done? Uh, it reminds me of uh, that movie Saving Private Ryan, if you've seen it. There's a, sort of this epic movie of this small group of soldiers who have got to travel across a war zone to rescue this Private Ryan because his brother has, has, has died in the battle and he's to be rescued and taken home. And it's this huge journey to get him and it's really costly and some of them are lost along the way. And when they finally reach Private Ryan, the one who's leading this little group to, to rescue him, simply says to Private Ryan, earn this earn what we have done and in one sense that's what this looks like doesn't it given that god is king and judge and every right to judge us and yet he saves us in jesus it is paul saying now pray that you'd be that you'd earn what he's done well no when you ask to be worthy of what god has done actually all you're doing is you're asking him for even more grace it's a worthiness that comes from do you see it there verse 11 it's going to come by his power not your effort it's going to come, verse 12, according to his grace, not according to your intentions. That's what he wants for each one of us in 2023, to ask him, would you do as you promised? Would you make me worthy of all you've done to rescue me? And in praying this, actually what we're acknowledging implicitly, I wonder if you thought about this, it, it, it's saying there is such a way that I can live this year, 2023, that will actually be worthy of his call. There is a way of living not worthy of his call, but there's a way to live worthily of it. And no, it won't be just rinse and repeat last year. And it won't be just drifting uh, this year by the tides of whatever uh, happens this year. It won't be just playing to the crowd. It won't be just pleasing myself. It'll be being worthy of my king and judge who is now my saviour, the one who, well, listen to these words in 1 Thessalonians, actually the first letter that Paul wrote to this church. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, this is a prayer. May God himself, the God of peace, change you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. 
You see what we're being called to pray? Would you change me? Would you make me more worthy of all that you've done? But will, will you do it? Because I can't. And in one sense, that's a sure project because he's in charge of it and his grace will make it happen. But it's also a risky project because here's what it will mean for you, each one of us. It will mean that you'll end this year less in charge of your life than you started. That's a bit scary. But again, not if you remember who is in charge, the one who is good. And if we pray this, here's what it will lead to in our lives. You see it there in verse uh, 11. It will lead to faith-prompted, fruitful good deeds. Imagine a year like that, a year where your life is filled with faith-prompted, fruitful good deeds. And what I love about our God is that we're told in Ephesians 2 that well before he saved us, he actually had those deeds in mind. It says in Ephesians 2, it says, you are saved by grace so that no one can boast. And he had already prepared for you good works in advance of your rescue. Isn't that amazing? Well before God had saved you, well before you were were able to call him Father, he already had in mind the fruitful good deeds he had in mind for you this year. So my my encouragement to you this year is simple. If you want to live this uh, year aright, have before you the big reality that God is king and judge and that will be revealed to everyone soon and that yet you know him as Father, is by his grace. May this year be a year filled with thankfulness, and may this year be a year filled with even asking for, boldly asking for more, more change, that you might be worthy by his powerful grace and for his glory. Well, let me pray again. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, uh, well, as you say in the book of Philippians, you who began a good work in us will carry it through to completion. And so we look at this year before us with excitement that by your grace and through your power, you will make us worthy of all that you've done for us. We pray that you would do that for our good and for your glory. Amen.